0: study of Revelation. We'll be looking at Revelation 16. This is the chapter, if you're afraid of Revelation, this is why you should be afraid. So we're going to have a fun time today. So when you find your place, Revelation chapter 16, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. I'm going to say, I love that you stood before I even asked. So oftentimes we'll stand for songs, but we very rarely in churches stand for the reading God's word. Beginning in verse 1, chapter 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. Then the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in the charge of the water say, Just are you, O holy one, who is and who was. For you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, the Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had poured over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl, and on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl, and on the great river Euphrates, its water was dried up to prepare, prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs, For they are demonic spirits, performing signs, who go abroad to the kings of the whole world, to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and being seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place that is in Hebron, it is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the Throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake, such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was the earthquake. The great city was split in three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the Great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. And great hailstones, about one hundred pounds each, fell from heaven on people. And they cursed God for the plague of the hail because the plague was so severe. reading God's Word. You may be seated. If you remember back when George W. Bush was president after 9-11 and we went to war with Iraq, there was a term that, that he used. He said that we were going to hit them with shock and awe. You remember that term? Now, shock and awe it was a, it's a military term. It's kind of what they mean by hitting the enemy so fast and so hard that they're unable to respond. Its ultimate de- um, design is to destroy the enemy's will to fight. You know, and and there, there's been twice in, in the U.S.'s history we've really used this tactic, of course, in the second Gulf War. Uh, it was probably overkill a bit, um, if you were comparing them militarily, but also during World War II, when we dropped, dropped the bomb in Japan. It was designed to, to stop the war, to, to make them lose the will to fight, realizing the great consequences they would have to continue on. I'll tell you what you read in Revelation 16 and God, is God's shock and awe. Before this time, we've, we've seen uh, the, the trumpet judgments, we've seen the seals, and always with those there was grace mixed in. It was an intention to draw people back to God, to have them repent before this time. And they, they were delayed. I mean, we see times where this uh, judgment came for six months and then there was a delay before the next judgment. These are successive judgments. Uh, attacks in order. It's it's really the uh, God taking taking out the entire infrastructure of the world. You know, when, when we go to war first, you know, we we plan ahead. We we understand our enemy. We understand their their military power. We'll, we'll try to cut off water supply. We'll try to cut off electricity. Make it very hard to live. Make it where they cannot communicate. And this is uh, part partly what we see here. You know, we we have here that the bowls of wrath and as i've said these these are poured out very quickly so i want us to try to picture what it would be like to be an unbeliever to be a person who has rejected god and who has received the mark of the beast and who is going to worship the antichrist so imagine they're sitting they're sitting in worship getting ready to leave going about about their week like many of us we come to worship and I think sometimes we, we, we lose sight of what's important. We're so focused on getting on with the rest of the day or what's going on this week. Imagine them go, going about their life like that. And one day you're looking out, you maybe they have a meet and greet like we do, and they're shaking hands, and all of a sudden you start to see everybody cry out in pain. And you see like large boils. Think of, think of Job and what he went through. This is what God is doing to all that worship the Antichrist, that worship Satan. You see these these immense boils forming all over their body and their face and their hands. And it is truly horrendous and painful. So you imagine them, some of them may go to hospitals and some, some may go home, maybe try to get in a cold shower to ease the pain. But as they turn on the shower, what comes out? It's not water, it is blood. Understand what the second and third angels do. They kill everything that lives in water. Your oceans, your lakes, your rivers down to the smallest streams and ponds have turned into blood. There is no more any drinkable water left in the world. These attacks happen immediately. When we see the Antichrist rise to power, Jesus warns, "When, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, there will be no more delay. And that is what we see here. And as we can we can look up and see the believers in heaven echoing what the angels have said, you know, oftentimes people are like, you know, I have loved ones who aren't saved. How am I going to deal with being in heaven, being in the glory of God, you know, desiring for them to be saved, but also at the same time it gets to the point where God says enough is enough. I've waited long enough. I've been merciful. I've been graceful. I've been patient. If we were in God's situation, I doubt any of us would be nearly as patient or graceful as God has been. And so, what do we see? We see that the saints that are in heaven, you and I, those that have trusted Christ when we are raptured, will be there saying, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was. For you brought these judgments. For they shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you give them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord, God the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Now there will be people that are alive then who will curse God, and, and who will think God is being unfair. But is God being unfair, really? I want to think about this from from God's point of view. You've created the beautiful universe and everything in it. You've made the stars. You've made the earth. You've formed it. You've made the lakes and the oceans. All of creation. All the creatures, the wildlife we enjoy. Even that little spider that was on your backpack. God made that too. It's fearfully and wonderfully made. We we may not enjoy that creation so much. (laughs) But the reality, God has made this all. And he, he, he made Adam. And he gave it to Adam to, to take care of. And what happened? Adam sinned. And sin entered the world. And it has been raining ever since. It has been making us slaves to sin. And Satan has been having a heyday deceiving people. Lying to people. Making them curse God. And worship something that is not of God. And what What would you do if this happened to you? I imagine most of us would have the the response that we see in Noah's day. Let's just end it. I'm going to repent that I even made this world. That's not what God does. He sends his own son to die in our place. To take our place. And what did we do in return to Jesus when Jesus came? Did the world embrace him? Would you and I have honestly embraced him? Now most of us, 99% of us I was reminded this morning who was there with Jesus when he was being crucified. There was John who ran away naked in the garden finally came to his senses was there and his mother was there. Jesus God Almighty the greatest preacher that ever lived had two people watching him die. The rest of them were there and mock him and scorn him. The rest of them were those same ones that said crucify him, crucify him. They wanted him dead. They wanted, understand what this means, they wanted the Son of God dead. What did Satan do? Satan tried to go up to the throne of God and declare himself God. And with every single sin you and I commit, we're doing the same thing. We're saying we reject you, God. We reject you as our king. We reject you as the person of authority. We say we know what's best for our life. You don't really know what's best. Well, the reality is if we keep on going, if we reject God our whole lives what we see here is what is destined for us. Maybe you'll be blessed enough not to live through the tribulation. But if you don't know Christ, the things that you read here are just the simple beginning pains of hell. Understand that as we continue on, we, we look and there's these great boils that are happening. And that there's no water to drink because it is turned into blood. You can't even take a shower. You can't take a bath. There's nowhere to bathe. There is no water. And so what do, you, what do you do? You go outside, and all of a sudden you start to feel the heat from the sun like you've never felt it before. It feels twice as hot as the Earth, the equator in July. We don't know how hot it will be, but it will be hot enough where it's just short of killing you. Understand that none of these do, do we see until the very last one. Punishments that kill. God is intending to get their attention. But we read, even as as hot as it gets, they curse God. They know it's from God and they still curse Him. God is trying to discipline them. To to make them realize the ways that they have gone down. The great sin that they have gone down. But they, they do not repent. They do not turn back. So imagine that that unbeliever, after all this has happened, maybe I could imagine them going back to their place of worship, maybe trying to approach the Antichrist because he's done all these false miracles. Maybe he could save them (laughs) from the pain they're in. But what happens next? God makes it dark for a very long time. I want you to imagine, just close your eyes. See the darkness. Imagine never opening your eyes again. Never being able to see anything again. Understand that the, the activities that, that have happened, the, the electricity, the power, the, the things like that, they would have run its course. There would be absolute darkness. You're in utter pain from this condition of the skin that God has placed upon you. You cannot drink. You cannot do any of that. And so, so you go in, in hoping that there may be some reprieve, but no, you're cast out into outer darkness. The entire world The day is coming where Christ will return and it will be sunshine and roses every day, all day. You will not have to worry about darkness. You will not have to worry about seeing the moon rise for Christ will be the light of the world literally. But here you have the exact opposite where God has removed the literal light of the world. But do not think that will give you any reprieve from the scorching sun. You'll still feel the pain. You'll still feel the heat. But it goes on and on. You know, time would go on, batteries would give out, the backup generators would fade. There's so much that I don't think we could comprehend that the people would be going through. You know, I think we really need to step back and give God praise for the grace He has given us now. You and I are living in an age of grace where God has given us time to come and repent to Him without going through these type of judgments. He has sent His Son to offer salvation to us. Praise God for His grace. Could you imagine living in a time where there is no grace from God? I I don't even want to comprehend it. But with these judgments, God's grace is removed. And it is pure judgment. We we look and and oftentimes we'll we'll, we'll judge judge people and look and try to determine if they're a Christian or not. We try to determine by, by what we see happening. You know, there, there may be people that walk in our doors today and say, this is a small church. It, it may not, not be doing the things that God wants it to do because it's small. Don't measure by number. How many converts, I've said it many times, how many converts did Noah have? Zero after 120 years. God does not judge like we judge. Judges just by dedication, faith. Are you doing what God has told you to do? God has told you all to go and share your faith. He has told you all to let people know that Christ is coming again and that we need to be looking for him. Too many of us we want to look for the antichrist and get into those conspiracy theories I talked about. We are not once told to look for the antichrist. We are told to look for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we are told to look for. So we go on through the remainder of the judgments. We see the the great river Euphrates I want you to think about this from a military point of view. If you wanted to take over a country, the the times the U.S. has used the shock and awe, we've never intended to actually go into those countries and occupy them and make them our own. But God is going into the earth to make it his own. And so what does he do? He dries up the great river Euphrates. I want you to think about the Euphrates as similar to our Mississippi River. It is the, the, the lifeline to so many countries in the Middle East. And it is also a measure of defense. You cannot just walk in to, to Iraq and into Israel militarily with, with uh, soldiers because the, the, the river is there. You would have to make bridges and cross over. It would take a long period of time. And so what happens? We read that the river is dried up and that the, the kings of the east can make, make their way over. And we'll get into it on a later day who the kings of the east are. But if you were to... Who want to take a country out, you would not only weaken their infrastructure, but you would also open the door for their enemies. And understand that is exactly what's going on here. He is preparing the way, and we read about that This, the Satan and his Antichrist and the false beasts, they let out these unclean spirits, demon-like frogs, that go to the kings and draw them to battle. And the, the battle that we all know very well called Armageddon, on the plains of Megiddo. You know, Satan is preparing to fight God one last time, and he's going to lose very badly. I want us to understand that before we get to this very last bowl that we read about, that what's happening in 16 is uh, taking place in chapter 17, 18, 19, and 20. What happens in chapter 17? The church, the false, the false church, the religious system of the Antichrist is dealt with. And then the political system is dealt with. And then when he is all alone, Satan is dealt with. You can see the military strategy that God is using. He is first going to remove the, the, the faith system that he has that is driving people in their fear to follow him. Then he's going to decapitate his military leaders where they no longer can stand up and support them. If you go back to the, the analogy with Iraq, the U.S. did the same thing. We, we debilitated their military. We, we took out uh, their communications to the point where Saddam Hussein was hiding in a hole in the ground. He knew he had no one left to, to save him. He was trying to hide and, and hope he didn't get caught. Well, Satan has nowhere to hide. We read in the, with the final angel, there's something I want you, want you to see and point out that this angel, while all the others are in heaven pouring out their bowls, of wrath. This angel pours it out in the air. Why would he pour it out in the air? Understanding what we saw in Revelation 12. The archangel Michael did what? He kicked Satan out of heaven. What is Satan known as? The accuser. The accuser but he's also, with regarding to the air, he is the principalities of the air. He has dominion in the air. So, what did this angel do? He kicked them farther down to the earth where he has nowhere else to run and hide. He can't get to heaven. He can't even get in the air now. And so now he is stuck left in heaven. Or I'm sorry, left on the earth. No longer able to get to heaven. And this is why he he sends out those spirits to gather his forces together to, to do battle because believe it or not, Satan knows his Bible pretty well. He knows what's going to happen. What happens when Satan is dealt with? The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, comes down and does battle with him. The seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. He knows what's about to go down. Eh? The war to end all wars. But when we read what this, this angel does, it is truly, I would say, awe-inspiring. We use the word awesome way, awesome way too much. But, but this should should really bring us to to a bit of trembling with what what this angel does. There is a massive earthquake, so horrendous, that has never been in the history of the world. What does it do? It splits the great city, and by that it means Jerusalem. It splits Jerusalem into three parts. It is so violent that many of the major cities around the world are leveled flat. It says that the islands disappear. The mountains become flat. I want you to imagine if we, we took the world right now, got rid of the mountains, got rid of the islands, what would the water of the oceans do? It would come rushing in. And we know it's not water that would be rushing in. It's blood. We see over and over what's happening. This Very, very quickly, you not only would have to militarily gather your forces in, but because of the water, the people would have to to run, run in and get, get to a place. And normally you'd say, well, you get to higher ground. Well, there is no higher ground. And so you would be forced to to gather your troops together just outside of Jerusalem, the place where Satan has set up his headquarters. And there's this field to the north uh, called uh, uh, the Plains of Megiddo. Military strategists have looked at it and said, you know, indeed, this the Bible must be true because if, the, the general said, if you were ever to pick a place to have a worldwide war, the plains of Megiddo are the, the one place in the Middle East that can hold all the armies. And you see, God is pouring all these things together. But I do not want you believers to be without hope. Verse 15 is in there for a reason. You know, and, and this verse is pulled out of the Gospel of Matthew. You know, he, he tells us that do not fall asleep. Do not lose hope. Do not be found naked. Remember the the very last uh, church in the beginning of Revelation in chapter 3. What did Jesus say to them? You think you are rich. You think you are safe. You think you have all this. But I tell you buy from me purified gold. Buy from me white garments. So that you will not be naked. He's telling them to be ready. You and I brothers and sisters. We are to be ready for the, the coming of Christ to take us to be with him. And if you are not ready. There are some here that are not ready. That will go through the, the, the tribulation. Tell you to remember these words, to get ready and to repent when you see these things happening. Because it is not meant for you. This is meant for Satan and his demons. Understand that the, the judgment is falling on Satan and those who follow after him. If you're not following after Satan, you have nothing to fear. But there's no middle ground with God. You're either you're with him and you're following his son, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Or as Jesus said, you're children of your father the devil. There's no way. You can be a child of God or a child of Satan. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground there. And so finally, we get to the point in a previous chapter um, we read that um, God said, when this will will be completed, that the mystery of God will be filled. So I want us to to look at exactly what that means. When the seventh angel pours out his vial, we see that this is fulfilled. You when know, we, we look over the next few weeks and, and see the d- different aspects, I want, want you to see that the mystery here, you know, the, the saints that were under the throne saying, how long, God? How long before you seek vengeance? That is being fulfilled here. And the answer will be, it is done. As Christ echoed out on the cross, it is finished. Another time will come where, where God will say to the angels, it is done. Or he will say to the, the martyred saints, it is done. It's time to to get the wedding garments on, to enjoy that feast with with Christ Almighty because after we eat, we ride for battle. And it will be a sweeping victory like the world has never seen before. But before we close today, I want you to see the parallels between God's kingdom and the kingdom of Satan. There, There are indeed many. But in Satan's kingdom, you'll be in agonizing pain. It speaks of the the skin lesions, the boils that you aren't ever able to get rid of. In God's kingdom, there is no more pain. All tears are wiped away. He offers you the, 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 the true water of eternal life. The water that you drink in Satan's kingdom, you have to choke it down because it's in fact blood. In Christ's kingdom, there will never be darkness. In Satan's kingdom, there is always darkness. We, we portray what God offers and what Satan offers. Satan offers you slavery. And he's not even in control of anything. All he can do is tempt you. He can't force you to do anything. What he desires is to be worshipped like God. He desires to usurp the one who has created us. Who has created everything. Who has sent his son to die for us. Or you can choose to follow Christ. Who has given everything for you. He offers you to be a co-heir with him in the kingdom. Understand what that means. Imagine having a guy like Bill Bill Gates or Donald Trump as your father, rich beyond measure. And he has a son. He says, I'm going to leave everything to my son. But then the son says, you know what? Come follow me and I will share everything that I have with you. Christ has no reason to share it with us. We, we are utter sinners. We are like Adam. We have disobeyed him. We have gone our own way. But he still offered it to us. And he did much more because he took our sin when he went to the cross. The wrath of God that is being poured out on the earth that we read about. That same wrath was poured out on Christ on the cross. The people on this earth, they, they, can't, they can't survive it. You and I, we can't survive the wrath of God ourselves. But Christ can because He is God. Amen. Wrap your mind around that—that that God poured out His own wrath on Himself for you. Now I said there's one one final one final point. In the Old Testament, there was there was one punishment for blaspheming God. Okay. What was that punishment? Death. death. How was the death to take place? Stoning. By stoning. Is it any? coincidence that the very last judgment of God, hundred pound stones will be rained down on heaven on the blasphemers. Understand that God's justice will be absolute. When Christ returns on that white horse and in the holy angels and us riding with him, there will be not much to dispense with outside of Satan and his demons. But understand that God's word remains true forever. If you blaspheme God and as the commandments say, you will not be held guiltless. You will not be able to say, I didn't know. There's all kinds of people in this world. We watch movies after movies where, where people will say Jesus Christ in a in a demeaning way. They use it as a curse word. Not knowing that they're reaping up their own condemnation. God's name is so holy that in, in the, the Jewish faith that Christianity spawns from, that the priests would not say God's name. They would not say Yahweh. They would not write his name. Only the high priest on the day of atonement would go in to the Holy of Holies. And only when he was in the Holy of Holies would he dare utter mention his name to seek forgiveness for the people. And the people had so much faith in the high priest's holiness that they tied a rope around his leg in case God struck him down dead. Understand that God is utterly holy. Amen. And we are not. But the good news is that Christ has offered his holiness, his righteousness for us to receive. So we don't have to go through that. You know the, the, the scary chapter of Revelation 16, saints, you do not have to be afraid of that. You are sons and daughters of the most high God. You do not have to fear that if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. You do not have to, to fear Satan. You do not have to fear his temptations. You do not have to fear hell or any of that because that is not meant for you. You have a much better destiny. Oftentimes we'll we'll talk about how hard life is. There's a day that's coming when Christ returns. You're going to say how how all these things you've complained about in life, you'll be ashamed you ever complained about them. Because what, what God has in store for you. Amen? Amen. So as we sing one final song, if this is the day that you are here and you do not know Christ, and you want to avoid what is coming, but most of all you want to receive him as your Savior so you can you can know him. And experience him as I have and many here have. This is the day for you. Do not wait. I cannot guarantee you that we'll even get through the study of Revelation before Christ returns. It is that close. Christ told us to be watching for him. To be ready. To not be caught naked and ashamed. pray you're ready this day. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord Jesus, I give you thanks for this day. I give you thanks for your Holy Word. I give you thanks that you've called us out be your own, no longer of this world, Lord, no longer being deceived by Satan and his lies, no longer seeking after false idols, Lord, but but knowing you truly and knowing that you have saved us, Lord, that you have offered us salvation when we place our faith in you. I pray if there's anyone here who does not know you, Lord, that they come down and and pray pray that you would enter into them, Lord, and they would receive their salvation. We know there's not magic in in the altar or in the words, Lord, but in true repentance of the heart. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.